welcome you to the Marty McLean podcast. This is episode 12. Today's topic, the Democrats have a really big problem with abortion. Now, I'll let you know I am recording this on Tuesday. This is the second day of the Democratic National Convention, and the Democrats have a really big problem with abortion. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you realize this, that there are 21 million pro-life Democrats. Did you know that? It is estimated that somewhere around 30% of Democratic voters are pro-life. But the direction of the Democratic Party when it comes to abortion, it has veered way, way to the left. And as a matter of fact, there has even been some talk that pro-lifers are not really welcomed any longer in the Democratic Party. Here's what Bernie Sanders had to say about abortion and the support of abortion in the Democratic Party. He says abortion, quote, is an absolutely essential part of being a Democrat. Now, Tom Perez, who is the DNC chairman, he had this quote, quote, every Democrat, like every American, should support a woman's right to make her own choices about her body and her health. That is not negotiable. So here you have some of this language that says support for abortion in the Democratic Party is not negotiable. As a matter of fact, uh, there's a, uh, there is another group that is comprised of a bunch of attorney generals. They are known as the Democratic Attorneys General Association. And here's what they said. I reckon it's a, it's a group of state attorney generals who get together and have their own association. Uh, in November, they announced that they would be requiring support for abortion rights in order to, for them to endorse a, a candidate or provide financial assistance to any candidates. So this Democratic Attorneys General organization, if you want to get their support or if you need some financial assistant, fr assistance from them, you must be pro-choice. If you are pro-life and you're running as a Democrat, you will not get any support from the Democratic Attorneys General Association. Now, like I said, with 30% or so of Democrats being self-described as pro-life, and they're being told that you really should not expect to have a prominent position in the Democratic Party if you are pro-life, there is starting to be a big issue in the Democratic Party when it comes to abortion. That is why back in July, 115 Christian leaders and theologians and ministers uh, they signed a letter that was sent to the DNC and, and to the Democratic Platform Committee, and they were asking that the party, that they would support pro-life policies, including, quote, legal protection for preborn children. Here's what they said in this letter. It said, quote, we call upon you, the Democratic National Committee, to recognize the invaluable human dignity of the child before and after birth. And also, they, the letter uh, was asking for a rejection of a, quote, litmus test on pro-life people of faith seeking office in the Democratic Party. Now, about a month after that, there was another letter uh, that was sent from over 100 Democratic politicians that was calling for platform changes to welcome pro-lifers. And they referenced also to 21 million pro-life members of the Democratic Party. And here's what they said in this letter. It said, quote, in the year 2000, the Democratic platform included such language in regards to abortion, saying, we respect the individual conscience of each American on this difficult issue, and we welcome all our members to, per 
to participate at every level of our party, unquote. Now, as late as 2004, the platform called for abortion to be, quote, safe, legal, and rare. By 2016, however, it continues, the conscience language had been dropped from the platform and the word rare was no longer used alongside repeated calls to make abortion safe and legal. So what exactly is happening with the Democratic Party? What exactly are they changing or what exactly are they looking to do differently that makes people think, hey, uh, they have definitely taken a, a, an incredibly sharp left turn on the issue of abortion. Well, here's some of the things that they're looking at doing. The first of all, they want to repeal the Hyde Amendment. Now, the Hyde Amendment was passed in 1976, and basically what the Hyde Amendment does is it prohibits any federal funds to be used to provide abortions. Now, there are some exceptions there, but for the most part, you cannot use federal funds taxpayer funds to provide abortion. Also, they are looking to pass this piece of legislation uh, that is called the Women's Health Protection Act of 2019. Now, according to one writer, this is Calvin Freeberger, he is given his assessment of it. It says that the Women's Health Protection Act, quote, establishes a federal statutory right to perform and obtain abortions, including after fetal viability, under the broad cover of health, and specifically forbids states from subjecting abortions to ultrasound requirements, mandatory waiting periods, informed consent requirements, and other health and safety regulations such as admitting privileges to hospitals. Now, my understanding of this is it's part of their efforts to codify Roe v. Wade, which would mean that this law would take precedent over any state law. So if you have any state laws that says you cannot get an abortion after 20 weeks, that would be null and void. Uh, any state law that says uh, someone underage would have to have parental consent, that would be done away with. Any state law that said you had to have a 72-hour waiting period to get an abortion, it would be done away with. What this basically means is that you could get an abortion for any reason up to nine months, basically. That's, that's what they're pushing. You have to understand. And most people are against abortions after 20 weeks. But they are looking to make it where you can get an abortion at any time for any reason up to nine months. And to me, that's kind of heinous, just to be honest with you. But that's kind of the, the push, the direction that the Democratic Party, their leadership's going. Also, they want to reverse the Mexico City policy what the Mexico City policy does is it makes it where we can, you cannot use federal funds to promote abortions overseas. So you cannot use taxpayer funds from America to promote abortions in other countries. So you can see that the Democratic Party, they have taken a, a very hard left when it comes to abortion. And a lot of people are falling out the door, but they're taking such a sharp turn to the left. There, there are, like I say, by their own mission, 21 million pro-life Democrats, about 30% of Democrats being pro-life, and they are saying, look, don't forget about us. We want, we want you to, uh, we, you know, they're saying we like the agenda, a lot of the agenda that the Democrats have, that's what these Democrats are saying, but we cannot go down the path of being pro-abortion like the Democrats are wanting to do. So there, there's an issue within the Democratic Party when it comes to abortion. Now, you have to ask the question, well, What's the deal with the uh, with the candidates, Biden and Harris? Where do they stand on the issue? Are they just kind of being taken along, or are they spearheading it, 
or are they at the forefront? Well, here's what Kristen Day said in an opinion piece that she wrote for the Wall Street Journal uh, with one of her colleagues. Uh, Kristen Day is the head of Democrats for Life. She says this, quote, Joe Biden would be the most pro-abortion president in history. He was once a moderate. The Catholic former vice president now describes abortion as, quote, essential health care caved in to the abortion industry on taxpayer funding and has been proudly endorsed by NARAL, Pro-Choice America, an organization that advocates for the repeal of all regulations on abortions. She continues, according to Gallup, roughly one in three Democrats consider themselves pro-life, but Mr. Biden has made no outreach to us. In fact, top Democrats have gone out of their way to make it clear that we are no longer welcome in the party. The leading calendar for events at the coming Democratic Convention refused to advertise our group's event. And unlike in 2016, the, Demo the DNC has ignored our, re our request to testify to the platform committee. So that's, a, young, that's a, a lady who is leading the Democrats for Life, and she's saying basically they don't want anything to do with us. They, they are ignoring us. And she even is admitting, which most people are con conceding, that the Biden ticket is the most, the most pro-abortion ticket in American history. Now, I, I like this one, I don't like it, but here, here's one article. This is from Catholic News Agency. Uh, it's about Joe Biden. It says, the name of the article is, Biden says nuns inspire him to run plans to sue little sisters of the poor. So he says in this, you know, really well done uh, political ad that he was inspired by the example that nuns have provided him over his life but if he's elected he will sue the little sisters of the poor after his election to make them provide abortion care in their health care uh, here's what it says in article biden has promised to remove freedom of conscience protections which exempt the sisters from contraceptive mandate opening them back up to renewed suits by the federal government for failure to provide contraceptives to their employees. So Biden himself, uh, he has become extremely pro-choice or pro-abortion, however you would like to look at it. But what about Kamala Harris? Well, Kamala Harris, I, I'm just going to be honest with you, uh, she is very much on the offensive when it comes to abortion. Uh, she is a, a, a big proponent of it. Uh, she has a history. Uh, as a matter of fact, you can look at uh, stuff she did when she was the Attorney General of the state of California. Uh, part of what she did when uh, Hobby Lobby had their big thing about not wanting to provide abortion services under their health care with Obamacare and all that, uh, she actually filed an amicus brief when she was the Attorney General of California in 2014, and she uh, filed it with the Supreme Court saying that they should not give Hobby Lobby a religious exemption. In other words, Hobby Lobby should be forced to provide abortion services for their employees in their health care plan, even though Hobby Lobby, a privately owned company, has an, a religious objection to abortion, they would be forced to provide abortion services to their employees. Also during her time as the State Attorney General of California, the California legislature, they passed what's known as the California Reproductive Fact Act, and it was enacted in 2015. 
and part of this, what this said is that crisis pregnancy centers, those places where women would go to get counseling to keep their babies to not have an abortion, that they were going to make it where these crisis pregnancy centers, by law, had to advertise for abortion. As a matter of fact, uh, they would have to have an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper with certain font size that would let people know you can get an abortion from the state of California. There are abortion services provided. So, and here's how they put it. Uh, the defendants, the pro-life, the crisis pregnancy centers, put it in their case that went all the way to the Supreme Court. They said, quote, forcing a pro-life group, group to advertise for abortion has to be unconstitutional. So as, her, as Attorney General, she was part of an effort to make crisis pregnancy centers, places where they advocate, do not get an abortion, we wanna help you keep that child, you can keep the child, put the child up for uh, adoption or whatever you'd like to do, but that child is precious, you, you don't need to get an abortion. She was part of an effort to try to make them advertise for abortion services in the crisis pregnancy centers. Now, once again, that to me just does not seem right. But that was not the most egregious, egregious act that she performed when she was Attorney General of the State of California. That happened when there was an organization known as the Center for Medical Progress. They had this guy, this journalist that went undercover. And as he was undercover, he had these videos of Planned Parenthood selling aborted baby parts. Now, now think about that. The babies that they would abort at these Planned Parenthood centers in California, they would sell the baby parts, parts of babies that had been aborted. This guy had video of them doing that. It was an undercover sting operation. But what Kamala Harris did as Attorney General of the state of California, instead of investi investigating Planned Parenthood, she went after the Center for Medical Progress. And it needs uh, mentioning that she went after the Center for Medical Progress after she had a meeting with Planned Parenthood, a secret meeting with Planned Parenthood. After that meeting, two weeks later, state agents raided David Deladian. They raided his home. The head of the, the, the guy who did all these reports, who did the undercover videos, his home got raided. He was the one that got in trouble. He was the one that got charges brought against him. And of course, like I say, she had a meeting with Planned Parenthood and it was decided that they would go after the reporter who discovered that Planned Parenthood was selling aborted baby parts. So the culprit was not Planned Parenthood. The culprit was Center for Medical Progress because they had made the videos and they were obviously pro-life. You have to understand that Kamala Harris is joined together with Planned Parenthood. Uh, they are tremendous supporters of Kamala Harris, and that should be very troublesome, and especially when you investigate somebody who made videos of Planned Parenthood selling used baby parts. What, what kind of person aborts babies and then sells the body parts? And then what kind of person does not go after that organization that's aborting babies and selling baby parts? I mean, it's, that's just, I mean, that's so wrong on so many levels. Well, that's what Kamala Harris did. So she has a, a long history 
of going after pro-life organizations, be it the crisis pregnancy centers, uh, be it the uh, Center for Medical Progress who makes the videos of Planned Parenthood selling aborted baby parts, uh, to Hobby Lobby filing the amicus brief saying that they should not be exempt from providing abortion services in their health care plans to their employees. So there are some serious concerns about Kamala Harris when it comes to the whole abortion issue and the fact that she will not be neutral, but she's going to go on the offensive. Now, we've mentioned the, the Hyde Amendment, and that, that's kind of something I think that really highlights uh, what's going on with with this push toward more of a uh, of abortion for nine months for any reason paid for by taxpayers L let me read something to you it has been estimated that because of the Hyde Amendment remember the Hyde Amendment prohibits federal funds to be used to pay for abortions that because of the Hyde Amendment there have been 2.4 million fewer abortions so in other words 2.4 million people are alive today because of the Hyde Amendment. That's the way I look at it. I don't look at it, hey, there's fewer abortions. Those abortions should have taken place, and the Hyde Amendment prohibited those women from having their abortions. No, I look at it as that those women didn't get abortions, and there's 2.4 million people alive. Now, supporters of the, of the Hyde Amendment, they don't, you know, we don't want federal funds to be used to pay for abortions. But people who are against the opponents of the Hyde Amendment which bans Medicaid coverage for most abortions, they believe that it creates a two-tier system where, quote, middle class and affluent patients can access the procedure and poor patients cannot. In other words, they're against it because poor people can't have abortions, and it's only middle class people that get abortions, and we can't abort as many poor people because of the Hyde Amendment. That's, that's very interesting to look at it that way because one of the board members for Democrats for Life, her name is Teresa uh, Bukonovac, she told Fox News about the Hyde Amendment. She says, the Hyde Amendment has been necessary in building a more equal society. So she sees it as a good thing, the Hyde Amendment, because, quote, it has saved more than two million people who are disproportionately black, indigenous, and children of color and we will not allow our party to pretend that eliminating this crucial safeguard is progress. We demand equality, and we're not going to stand by and watch our party, the Democratic Party, allow this exploitation to continue simply because the industry is bankrolling their candidates' political aspirations. So she says, look, the Hyde Amendment has protected minority babies. We have a lot more minority babies born because of the Hyde Amendment. you got to understand something. A child in the womb is created in the image of God, and that life within that womb is of infinite value. And those 2.4 million babies who have been saved, their lives are of infinite value because they've been created in the image of God. The circumstances of someone's conception does not determine the value of that person. Whatever your circumstances of your conception was, it does not determine your value as a person. You've been created in the image of God, regardless of the circumstances of your conception. So that baby, regardless of the circumstances of the conception, has still been created in the image of God, bears the image of God, and is of infinite worth. And what the member of the Democrats for Life just said is that those, those babies are of incredible worth. 
and the Hyde Amendment that the Democrats now want to get away, get, you know, do away with, it has saved 2.4 million mostly minority babies. They're of infinite worth. What a wonderful thing the Hyde Amendment is. Now, just once again to reiterate, the Democratic Party has a big problem with abortion. If up to 30% of Democrat, Democratic voters, if up to 30% are pro-life, and they're taking such a hard turn, and let me tell you, the abortion industry disproportionately affects minorities. As somebody has once said, you look to see where all the Planned Parenthood clinics are. This isn't right. It is not right what's going on. And a lot of people are starting to wake up and, and figure this thing out. But there's a lady, uh, a Democratic state senator in the state of Louisiana, and she basically had the bill that she proposed. Uh, it's been overturned, but her name is Katrina Jackson. She is a pro-life Democratic senator from the state of Louisiana. I mean, she's very ardently pro-life. And here's what she says about her pro-life position and the Democratic Party. She says, quote, to the extent that the party is on the wrong side of an issue, and what I mean by the wrong side is that they veer away from the Christian faith, then I have to stand with God. And she continues, that doesn't mean that I don't support the party, but I will not choose the party over God. And so somebody like Katrina Jackson, a state Democratic senator from the state of Louisiana, and I think about 40% of, maybe 40% of the Democrats in Louisiana are pro-life, she says, I've got an issue. And more and more Democrats are starting to wake up and realize, you know, this really sharp turn to abortion instead of it being safe, legal, and rare, uh, we just want it, you know, now they want it to be safe and legal and up to nine months for any reason paid for by taxpayer money. It's just, it is, it's just not right what is going on in the Democratic Party with abortion. And what you really have to do is you really have to understand it is a money thing because if you're going to make it in the Democratic Party on a national scene, you've got to be pro-choice. You've got to be an advocate of abortion. There's a book that was written, I think, back in 2004. You'll see some people reference it, reference it every now and then. Just some, maybe you want to do a little bit of study on your own. Look, look up Spin Sisters. Uh, this lady wrote, wrote about some of the editors of some of these ladies' magazines, how they have such an incredible influence when it comes to abortion in the Democratic Party. And one of the things she says is, quote, to keep the support of the Spin Sisters, politicians may not stray even a hair from the Planned Parenthood position. So you have to understand, on the Democratic side, that Planned Parenthood is the big player. You, you have to have fidelity uh, to abortion, whether you like it or not. If, if you're going to get in the upper echelons of the Democratic Party, that's just how it's playing out. And, and now they are really taking a, a very, very hard left turn. And some of the Democrats are saying, wait a second. I don't know if I can keep on this bus with us taking this hard left turn on abortion. Now, just let me tell you. Personally, I'm against abortion. I believe whatever the circumstances of someone's conception, it does not change the fact that the, the child conceived is created in the image of God. The fact, you know, circumstances of conception does not change the value of the human life. It, it just does not. None of us could 
control the circumstances of our conception. And does the circumstances of someone's conception make them better than someone else? Absolutely not. We've been created in the image of God, whether whatever race you are, ethnicity. Uh, we have been created in the image of God, whether your parents are married or not married. The, the conception, the child is still created in the image of God, still bears the image of God, still of infinite worth. That's just, that's just how it is. But the Democrats do have a problem. Not only on the national level, they do have some of the problems on the, on the state level. And I think that, you know, we've seen a couple of governors really play this out and kind of in a, in a frightening fashion, especially when you go to Virginia with Gover, Governor Northam. Uh, one time, this was back a, a year or two ago, he was on a, a radio program on WTOP. It was called Ask the Governor. And this one writer, uh, Dunn, uh, Doug Manwaring, he writes, he says, Virginia's Governor Ralph Northam suggested in comments this morning that a proposed bill allowing abortion up to the moment of birth would also allow doctors to refuse to resuscitate an infant born alive after a failed abortion, quote, if that's what the mother and family desires. Now that's, that's, that's pretty intense right there. Um, Northam, a former pediatric neurologist, was responding to a question on WTOP's Ask the Governor about the controversy sparked yesterday during a state house hearing about the proposed bill uh, Delegate Kathy Tran had defended a bill as allowing abortion for a woman who was already in process of giving birth. Northam called the controversy, quote, overblown. He went on to explain what would happen in a situation of a woman wanting an abortion who was already in labor. So this is a lady in labor wanting an abortion. He said, quote, so in this particular example, if the mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly what would happen. The infant would be delivered. The infant would be kept comfortable the infant would be resuscitated if that's what the mother and the family desire, and then a discussion would ensue between the physician and the mother. This guy's a pediatric neurologist. He's governor of the state of Virginia, and he's talking about infanticide and in a matter-of-fact way. As a matter of fact, Ben Shapiro calls what Northam says as pure evil. He says, quote, Northam is specifically talking about delivering an in infant alive and then asking a mother whether the infant should live or not. This is not an argument about the morning after pill. It's not an argument over whether a fetus feels pain. This is a statement that a fully formed infant born alive ought to be murdered if the mother says the infant ought to be murdered. Now that's the governor, uh, that's Ben Shapiro commenting on the comments uh, that the governor of Virginia made concerning a child that had been born alive after an abortion attempt. It, 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 you, can't, you can't have it any other way. That is just uh, straight up infanticide. However, another governor, Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York, uh, you remember back in 2014 when he said about those who are right to life, the, the he called them extreme conservatives, the right to lifers, he says, quote, they have, quote, no place in the state of New York because that's not who New Yorkers are. That's what Governor Cuomo said. Also uh, concerning Cuomo, remember back on January 22nd, 2019, he signed the New York Reproductive Health Act, uh, making abortion legal for all nine months. And when he did that, remember that the, the legislature, along with some of the guests there, they all stood up and they applauded and cheered and yelled that now abortion can be performed throughout the nine months. And that night, 
Governor Cuomo had uh, the lights at One World Trade Center turn pink in honor of the passage of that bill. It was just, I, I remember seeing that footage of people just cheering that abortion was now uh, legal for all nine months in the state of New York, that they could do that. And it was like, are you serious? These people are that excited about abortion? And, and kind of what it, what it does is it just kind of makes you think, man, this abortion stuff means a lot to these people. And it, it just gives you this weird feeling like, man, why, why, why is this such a big deal to them that they can actually terminate the life of a baby uh, within the womb? It, it just it just doesn't sit well. So, you know, as a, as a pastor, what does the Bible have to say about abortion? It doesn't specifically mention abortion in the Bible, uh, but we know from the Ten Commandments, we know that the Bible says, thou shalt not murder. Murder's taken an innocent life, and abortion does take an innocent life. In abortion, a human heart stops beating. You, you terminate a life, you just do. Uh, we know from Psalm 139, 13 through 16, it says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, speaking to God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet... There were none of them. In other words, God knew me when I was being formed. Uh, we know in Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So we have been created in the image of God. We are in, of infinite worth. Uh, human life is of infinite worth, much more worth than a, than a dog, a cat, or a horse, or a camel. Um, scripture lets us know that even, you know, like with John the Baptist, uh, when he was in the womb of Elizabeth, and Mary shows up and she has Jesus in her womb. Uh, it says in Luke 1, 41 and 44, it says, When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And she exclaimed, The sound of your greeting reached my ears. The baby in my womb leaped for joy. So, you know, birth begins, you know, life begins at conception. Not when a baby takes his first breath. The the baby already has the DNA, the baby already has the heartbeat, the brain waves, everything's taking place. And so it's not like uh, a baby in a mother's womb is just an appendage. The baby in a mother's womb is a human life. That's how we all got here. That's, that's how we get into this world. And, and you just can't say, well, you can't tell a mother what to do with her body because it's not just completely all her body. It, there is a life within a a mother's womb that's that is how life happens that's how we get here we all have gotten here in that same in that same fashion so let, let me just say this i'm talking all this about abortion and i believe i believe abortion is a sin it is wrong i believe it's an affront to a holy god i really do but i believe we've been created in the image of god and if you if you look at the statistics since 1973 when roe v wade was uh, the law of the land and it's said that there have been about 62 million abortions in the United States. 62 million. That's, that's a lot of aborted babies. And if we believe that we've been created in the image of God and God says do not murder and that human life is precious, then as a nation, we need to repent of the sin of, a, of abortion. It is, it's a big deal. And when people just ignore it as though it's not a big deal, 
You're crazy. It is a big deal. God takes it seriously, and we should take it seriously too. But not only that, let me just say this. It is not the unpardonable sin. God will forgive you for abortion. I mean, you, you can be forgiven. And, and churches are full of women who have had abortions who say, you know, I should have never done it. It's the biggest regret I have in my whole life. And I wish I'd take it back. But I can't. But I can help other people not do what I did. Uh, if you're pregnant outside of wedlock, you got a, a pregnancy, you don't want to keep the baby. Please uh, give the baby up for adoption after the, ba the baby's born. But don't, do not terminate that life. Now, there's a lady that writes about abortion, and she's got a very good thing. She says her name is Sue Bolin, and here's, she talks about post-abortion syndrome, self-destruction, guilt, and anger. Here's what she says, quote, Abortion is deeply, deeply troubling because it touches on three central issues of a woman's self-concept, her sexuality, her morality, and her maternal identity. She also has to deal with the loss of a child. This loss must be confronted, processed, and grieved in order for a woman to resolve her experience. Many women find themselves troubled after their abortion because they don't think through these issues before their abortion. The fact that they experience relief immediately after the abortion is no guarantee that problems won't surface later. Unresolved emotions will demand our attention sooner or later. So there is this post-abortion syndrome and... You know, there's help. So if you've had an abortion, let me, let me just encourage you. Find a crisis pregnancy center. They can help you with post-abortion counseling. Uh, they can encourage you. If you are pregnant and, you know, it's an unexpected pregnancy, maybe you're unwed or something happened, let me encourage you. Go to one of these crisis pregnancy centers. Uh, they will help you if you want to keep the baby, if you want to give the baby up for adoption. But they will, they will you know, they'll let you know that is a, that is a life within you. And... You're not going to solve issues by aborting the baby. You're just going to create more issues. Plus, that's a life within you, a life that deserves to live. And so, you know, abortion's a big deal. And when politicians get so callous about it, and when they start applauding the ability to abort a baby up to nine months, and when they start wanting to make people violate their conscience, and provide abortion services when they know that it's wrong, the people that are wanting to, to do that, there's a big issue. And, and I, think, I think it's wrong. I, I think it's a spiritual issue. I think it's a, it's a good and evil issue, to be honest with you. It's a light and darkness issue. But let me just go back to say this. We've got a political party in our, in our nation. They're having a big issue with abortion right now. There's almost a third of that party that would be identified as pro-life, and yet they're being squeezed out. It's the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party has an issue with abortion, and it's a big deal. Now, I'm recording this on Tuesday morning, the week of the Democratic National uh, Convention. I don't know what's going to happen after this. But it, it's going to be interesting to see how the abortion issue unfolds with the Democratic Party, and they do by most everyone's admission, have the most pro-abortion ticket in American history. Now, once again, let me say this. This is the Marty McLean podcast. The views that I express on this podcast are my own. They are Marty McLean, his views, because it is the Marty McLean podcast. So I represent myself on this, but I try to do it from a biblical perspective. It, this is a podcast about life 
religion and politics, and today we went knee-deep into politics. I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm telling you there is, here are the issues, and the Democratic Party has a really, really big issue with abortion. I am pro-life. I would, I would advocate people being pro-life. I would advocate that the United States of America have pro-life policies because that's a moral issue, biblically speaking. But I want to thank you today for joining me for the Marty McLean podcast. Uh, maybe you learned some stuff. I want you to pray for our nation, pray for the upcoming election, pray for the issue of abortion, pray for those who are uh, experiencing an unexpected pregnancy, pray that they keep that child and raise the child or give the child up for adoption. But that child is precious, created in the image of God and of infinite worth. Thank you for being with me. I hope you have a great week and I'll... See you next time on the Marty McLean Podcast.